Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. 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 Thank you, worship team. Uh, as always, you led us so well in worship this morning. And uh, just to think about the overwhelming presence of God. You ever been overwhelmed by the presence of God? Wow. There's nothing like that. There really is nothing like that. And, and then to talk about, to sing about the way that God's mercy floods in. A flood is overwhelming as well, isn't it? And so really talking about the Lord and how he overwhelms us, it's, um, it's really special when you uh, have experienced that overwhelming sense of God's grace and mercy upon your life. Praise God for that today. Well, it's good to be here this morning. Uh, I am glad. I want to reiterate what uh, Pastor Doug said. I'm glad that you braved the elements this morning. Uh, the roads were interesting, weren't they? They were interesting today, but uh, it was good to, to just see uh, God's hand of protection as we traveled here together, and we're here together today. So praise God that we are able to gather together in his name. Amen. He's here, isn't he? Amen. Amen. Anyone ever heard of the Sermon on the Mount? Yeah? Ever heard of that? Yeah. Uh, normally, when we talk about the Sermon on the Mount, we, uh, we use Matthew, uh, the book of Matthew, uh, chapters 5 through 7. That's where the Sermon on the Mount is found. But it is also found in the book of Luke, and it's uh, maybe not quite as detailed, but also in the book of Luke, and that is what we're going to use today. We're going to uh, explore Luke's account of these teachings of Jesus that we actually find in the Sermon on the Mount. And I want you to tell you today, I, I want to tell you today that I want you to brace yourself <laughs> because this is some, I believe, this is some of the hardest teaching of Jesus. I believe this is some of the, the most difficult uh, teachings that he gave us to really embrace and live out in our lives. In fact, I believe that when he taught some of these things, that as he taught some of these things, his listeners were probably saying things like, is he serious? They might have been even grumbling and saying, there, there's no way that anyone can live like that. Well, I think it's interesting because I think that when Jesus teaches us things that, that are very difficult, and, he, and he, did that, he did that often. In fact, in the book of John, in John chapter 6, Jesus taught some things that were so hard that people walked away from him. And he looked at his disciples and he said, will you walk away too? There are teachings of Jesus that are really hard for us to embrace, really hard for us to grasp, really hard for us to apply. And these are some of the more difficult ones. Uh, I failed to do so last week. I forgot. I was so excited to read the scripture that I forgot to ask you to stand with me. This week, I remember, will you stand with me this morning as we read the scriptures? Uh, this is from Luke chapter 6, and it's 27 through 36. 
Luke 6, 27 through 36. This is Jesus speaking. But I say to you who listen, love your enemies, do what is good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. And if anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks you, and from someone who takes uh, your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even the sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do what is good, and lend, and expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Well, as I read through that, uh, as, I, as I read through those verses, I want you to realize and I want you to notice that these are powerful statements, aren't they? These are powerful statements. I mean, there is a lot to take in when we read these statements. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who mistreat you, if anyone hits you on your cheek, offer the other one also. Uh, in Matthew's account, as he uh, talks about Jesus teaching these same things, Matthew gives us the detail in his account that Jesus said, if anyone hits you on the right cheek. Now, that's actually a, a good detail because if I was going to hit someone, I'm right-handed. Most, the majority of people right-handed but some are left, I realize that, but the majority are right-handed. When someone is going to uh, smack a person, <laughs> they're going to use their right hand, their, their dominant hand. Most people are dominant, uh, right, right hand dominant. Um, however, if I was going to smack somebody on their right cheek, I would have to backhand them, Right? I would backhand them because for me to hit the right cheek, I'd have to backhand them. Jesus said if someone smacks you on your right cheek, he was actually talking about a backhanded smack, a backhanded slap. That was actually, in that culture, considered one of the greatest insults that you could give a person. And so when Jesus said that, he was actually talking about not just the pain of being slapped on the cheek, but one of the greatest insults that you could be given. And he said, offer the other cheek to them as well. He said, uh, if someone takes your coat, give them your shirt as well. Give to everyone who asks. And then there's this statement that has actually made it into our culture. And I, and I say that it's just a statement that's actually made it into our culture. It has not made it into our culture in practice. 
but it has made it into our culture in uh, us remembering it, saying it. We love to teach it in children's church. But then once we get out of children's church, we don't really teach it then much anymore. And that statement we call the golden rule, right? The golden rule. Now that's not, the Bible doesn't call it the golden rule. We call it the golden rule. And so just for our sake today, what I want to call it is I want to call it the Jesus rule. Because this is really something that Jesus gave us. This, this is the Jesus rule. And the Jesus rule is found in verse 31. And verse 31 says, Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. Just as you would have others to do for you, do the same for them. Now, look at your neighbor. Go ahead and just look at the person sitting beside you and say, this is going to be tough. You believe it? This is going to be tough? It really is. This is going to be tough because the, really when we take the uh, Jesus rule and we allow it to be applied to our lives, not just say it, not just know it, not just repeat it, not just be able to uh, recite it, but when we actually take it, embrace it, apply it, and begin to live it in our life, I want to tell you it's one of the toughest things that you can do in life. And, and the reason is it's a tall order. It's a, it's a tall order, and I want to talk to you about why it's a tall order. The, the Sermon on the Mount, the, the application of the Sermon on the Mount is transformative. It, it will transform your life if you apply it to your life and begin to live it out. And, and you can see that by the statements that we, that we started out with, the statements that, begin, that we began with. Um, putting it into practice will never let you stay where you are presently in your walk with God. It'll take you further. It'll take you deeper into your walk with the Lord. And so Jesus was literally, as, as we, as we uh, read through these words, as we talk about these words that, uh, that we're hearing Jesus say, Jesus was literally training his disciples in this setting. He was literally training his disciples. And what is really cool is that as we're reading this, it's like we are dropped into that situation. We're dropped into that particular setting. And we are now being trained by Jesus to be his disciples. We are being trained by Jesus to understand what it means to walk the walk, talk the talk, be like Jesus as we go through this life. Uh, Jesus was literally uh, teaching them uh, and us how to walk with him, how to act, how to love, how to treat others, how to be in a relationship. Uh, Jesus was teaching how to be Jesus people. And do you want to be a Jesus person? Amen. I want to be a Jesus person. I confess to you this morning that I don't do a great job at that sometimes. I don't. I, I really don't. I, and I tell you where I struggle with it the most, when I'm driving my car. Wow, that is so tough. 
That is so difficult. You know, I, I was on the road the other day, and, and I was coming into this, this situation where it goes from two lanes down to one. And I was in the lane that continued, and the person beside me was in the lane that ended. You know where I'm going, don't you? Yeah, you know where I'm going. They, they got, they, they were speeding up, and you know what I did? Lord, help me. I sped up. I sped up. And, and, and after I did it, I thought, man, that wasn't, that wasn't a Jesus person there. I, I felt bad. I felt bad. And, and here's the thing. And then I have these weird thoughts. I, and, and I know none of you think this way, I, but I do. This is like confession time for Chuck, okay? I have these weird thoughts because I'm like into superheroes. I love superheroes. And I thought, man, if I had any superpower, I'd like to be able to make people's tires flat. <laughs> because that person would have four flat tires. <laughs> Boom, right there. And I'm telling you what, as I'm preparing this sermon, I'm thinking, wow, I got a long way to go. I got a long way to go. So... This is what I'm talking about, though. If, if we are to be like Jesus, if we are to follow his teachings, he is not going to leave us where we are. He is going to continually be taking us along a path to make, him more, to make us more like him. And, I, and I'm, so, I'm so glad about that. I am so glad about that. Now, I feel like I can say this with a lot of confidence. If Jesus' followers would live out this Jesus rule, we would have a whole lot more love, a whole lot more unity, a whole lot more oneness, a whole lot more compassion, a whole lot more patience, and a whole lot more grace going on in the church and the world. Because I really believe that if the church was doing well at being Jesus' people, Living out this Jesus rule, it would affect the world greatly. It really would. Now, let me be clear before I go any further, because I think this is really important for us to understand this. Uh, doing this, applying this, living this way is not something that you can do on your own. You cannot do this on your own power, your own strength, your own will. I, I'm evidence of that, okay? When me, me in the car and the and flat tire, I am evidence of that for sure. You know, we need a redeeming, regenerating, sanctifying relationship with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to live the way Jesus wants us to live. Do you agree with that? He was giving us instruction that could not be followed by the natural man. Mankind in their fallen state cannot walk the path God has for us to walk. And so we need Jesus. So in this teaching of Jesus, this training of Jesus, there is something very deep. And there's an idea that goes way beyond just keeping your mouth shut when you can't think of something good to say. You like that? You remember the saying? If you don't have something good to say, 
right? Don't say anything at all, right? And that's, that's good. That is good. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That is a very wise thing. If you, if you don't have anything good to say, it is better to zip it, <laughs> you know? But this goes beyond that, doesn't it? There's an idea that goes beyond not doing harm. Many religions take the golden rule and they kind of have a, a, a twist to it. They kind of, it's similar, but it's not exactly the same. Buddhism says, treat not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. Confucius said, do not do to others what you would not want done to yourself. Hinduism tells us, this is the sum of duty. Do not do to others what would cause pain if done to you. Judaism, which is actually what the listeners in that setting that Jesus was teaching would be familiar with. Judaism, which was what people were, were, uh, were, were really kind of dug into at that moment in time, uh, especially his listeners. A uh, teacher of the law said, what is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. This is the whole Torah. All the rest is commentary. Interestingly enough, Islam goes a little further in its idea. It says, not one of you truly believes until you wish for others what you wish for yourself. <laughs> but Jesus takes it beyond a wish, doesn't he? He takes it beyond a wish, and he takes it beyond refraining from doing harm. He takes it into the realm of taking action to do good, from making a, ch uh, from making a wish to making a choice to do good. And so this teaching of Jesus was not a teaching of, uh, of reciprocating what good comes to us. Let me, let me define that. Jesus wasn't teaching that if someone does something nice for you, that you should do something nice for them. He wasn't teaching us that if we are, uh, if someone is thoughtful towards us, that we should be then thoughtful towards them. He wasn't telling us that if someone gives you a gift at Christmas time, that you should give them a gift at Christmas time. This isn't what Jesus was teaching. And, and that's obvious by uh, the way that we ended, because Jesus was saying there at the end, uh, he was saying, let me look at it real quick. Uh, if, if, uh, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are doing good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And, and he went on and, and talked about that, didn't he? And so this isn't reciprocating good to people that are doing good to us. He, he's going beyond that. He's going further than that. So those statements that led up to the Jesus rule, those, those statements that led up to the Jesus rule is actually helping to define what the Jesus rule is all about. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. You know, if someone takes your coat, give them your shirt. He's trying to help us to understand what this Jesus rule, we call the golden rule, is all about. The adherence to this scripture by followers of Jesus has the potential to help people see God 
perhaps more than any other act of love we can fulfill in our life. Because people don't do those things. And yet it is exactly the example that Jesus gave, isn't it? And we see that as we look at the life of Christ. We see that really over and over again in the Gospels through the life of Christ. We see it over and over again, him doing good to others. But really, we see it most, we see it at its greatest point as Jesus is walking through the streets of Jerusalem with a cross on his back. Right? That's when we see it the most. And then we... We begin to understand then that when we do these things, when we do such things as loving our enemies, praying for those who persecute us, giving to a person when they absolutely don't deserve to be given to, we begin to understand that when we do that, that is really the best opportunity we have to reflect Jesus. Show people Jesus. That's fantastic. On the flip side of that, as we have failed at this, we have proven to the world that there isn't much of a difference between us and the rest of the world. I can love my friends, I can love my family, I can love my neighbor. I can love the people that maybe I don't even really know all that well. I can, I can love those kind of people, but love someone who hates me? You know, I, I, that's, that's, that's a different thing. I don't know if I can do that. Love someone who is actively trying to hurt me? Love that boss that is making my life miserable? Love that fellow, uh, that coworker that's always trying to one-up me and get ahead of me? One up that, uh, love that, that neighbor that keeps blowing his snow out of his driveway into my driveway? <laughs> this is going too far, right? But when the world sees Jesus' followers living out this Jesus rule, they see something that stands out. They see something that actually helps them to see Jesus through us. And, and, and isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible, I love 2 Corinthians chapter 5. But when you, you get towards the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, after it says that in Christ we're a new creation, that the old has passed away and the new has come, it begins to help us understand we have been reconciled by God to be reconcilers to the world. And it calls us something in that particular chapter. It calls us ambassadors. Do you know what an ambassador is? Ambassadors go from one country to another country to represent the country that they came from. Their interest 
are the person's, the, the country's interests that they came from. So if we're ambassadors of Christ, then our interests are Christ's interest in the world. So we're all about representing him. We're all about reflecting him. We're all about making sure people see him through us, experience him through us, know him through us. One of the best ways to do that is to love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Now, I want to talk about love just a little bit. Uh, that word love, we, we have that word love, and we use that word love for a lot of different things, don't we? Like, I love cheeseburgers, right? I love cheeseburgers. And then we say, I love my wife. Now, do I love my wife the same as I love a cheeseburger? <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. I don't. I don't. We use love, and, and, and we really, it, it's kind of limited in how we can use that word. I mean, we use the, the same word for a lot of different things. But in the Greek, they have at least four words for love. And uh, those words are uh, storge, and storge is a family affection. Uh, eros is a sexual kind of love. Philia is a warm, affectionate love. And then there's agape. And uh, this, this is a sacrificial love. And so in our text, in our text that we read, that word love comes from the Greek word agape. And that is important because we need to understand that Jesus wasn't saying that we need to philia uh, our enemies. And that's really, really good because to have a warm, affectionate love for an enemy is impossible. It's impossible. You're not going to feel like warm fuzzies towards somebody that's an enemy to you, that's trying to outdo you, that's trying to bury you, trying to, to you know, one-up you and, and maybe stab you in the back and, and do all kinds of bad things to you. You're not going to ha have warm, fuzzy feelings towards them. But Jesus didn't say to, to have warm, fuzzy feelings towards them. He said to agape them. And agape means that you're going to choose to love them. You're going to make a choice to love them. You're going to make a choice to do good towards them. You're going to make a choice to wish for their uh, highest good. And I, and I want to put it into a, uh, into a, a, a paragraph that I want to read to you. But as I get to this, what I want you to do, if you will, this, this is totally up to you, but if you'll do this, I'd appreciate it. Because I, I want you to take this with you today. If there's something that you take out of these doors and into life uh, leaving here today, this is what I want you to take with you. As, as I read this paragraph, I want you to think of maybe that person that maybe you consider an enemy. I know enemy is a strong word, but, you know, maybe they just has, they have it out for you. You're having a hard time with you. You're struggling with them. Or maybe they've hurt, maybe not you, but they've hurt somebody you love or that you care about. You know, think of that person that you struggle with. Think of that person that, you know, tried to, tried to crowd you out and take you, you know, your lane. And you, it was your lane and you wanted to flatten their tires. 
Yeah. Think of that. But I also want you to think as well, I want you to think of Jesus. <laughs> and I, 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 I just, I don't want to say this lightly. I want you to think of Jesus and him embracing the cross. I want you to think of Jesus and him embracing the cross, carrying that cross through Jerusalem, taking the whips in the back, the the crown of thorns, all the abuse that he took, the the spitting on him, the the mocking, the name-calling, the shame of hanging on the cross. I want you to think of Jesus. So, you, so you're thinking of that person that's hard to love, but you're also thinking of Jesus, okay? And I just want you to listen to this paragraph that I have here. If we regard a person with agape, it means that no matter what that person does to us, no matter how they treat us, no matter how they insult us or injure us or grieve us, We will consider them with kindness and generosity. We will seek nothing but their highest good and treat them in a way to help them and care for them and have compassion on them. Now what I hope you got out of that is that person that was doing those things to you or whatever... It doesn't even compare with what Jesus went through. And you realize as he went through that, he continued to love. He continued to act, to choose the highest good for those who were doing those things to him. You say, well, I I can't, I can't do it. I, you know, remember I said you can't. Remember, I said that you can. And there's a scripture that talks about, you know, how impossible it is with man. And I realize it's from Luke 18. And Luke 18 is is a story that some of you may be familiar with. It's a story of the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler, you know, comes to Jesus and and he's, you know, he's like, good teacher. Uh, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you know, and he, and he gives them some of the commandments, not all of them, but just a, a few of them. And he, he says, you know, if you've done these, you'll inherit eternal life. And the rich young ruler is excited. He says, yeah, I've done all those things from my youth. And Jesus said, well, then you just lack one thing then. Go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. And the scripture tells us that he, that he hung his head in sadness because he wasn't willing he wasn't willing to give up his stuff to follow Jesus, and he walked away. And, uh, and Jesus' response was, you know, how hard it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. It's so hard. It's like, the, it's like uh, as hard as, as it is, is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And the disciples were like, what? You know, they, they didn't understand that. And they said, well, how, how can this be? How can that be? And Jesus said, 
With man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And I know that's a different setting and a different issue, but it's, it applies to this as well. With man, it is impossible to love that way. But with God, all things are possible. And so if you're struggling today with that thought, that idea, I, I want to encourage you to, to lean on Jesus because he's walked that road. Take Jesus by the hand because he has walked that road of loving and choosing to love in those situations where uh, really there was no, the person didn't deserve to be loved at all. Jesus says, look for ways to agape. Uh, agape is an act of the will. It is a choice. And so Jesus' challenge uh, for us today is to choose to love, choose to do good, choose to have compassion. And you don't have to feel it. You just have to choose it. And then as you choose it, you just take him by the hand and you, you, walk, you walk through it with him. I was thinking as I was preparing this message, wouldn't it be cool if the church had Jesus rule teams? <laughs> like people would just get together and, and they would decide, hey, we're going to go out and we're going to just do good. We're going to just, we're going to get together. We're going to figure out something to do really good for somebody. And we're just going to go out and we're just going to flood them with goodness. And, and it would be people that maybe don't deserve it or people that have made things difficult on maybe somebody in the group or the church, or, or whatever the case may be. And they would just go, and they would just flood them with goodness, and they'd do something really good for them. And it would be something that I think God would just smile upon. Say, yeah, that's, that's my people right there. Those are my people. Jesus' attitude, Jesus' attitude is, I'm going to do something for them, and show them love, and show them care, and show them compassion, because uh, Jesus enables me to conquer my natural tendency to anger and revenge and bitterness and to choose to do something that blesses them and encourages them and takes care of them. And I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to say, Lord, bless them. And I'm going to say, Lord, take care of them. Lord, may your blessings transform their heart today. And it's going to be a prayer of compassion. It's going to be a prayer of love. It's going to be a prayer for their highest good. And you think, well, why would I do such a thing as that? Look at verse 35. Look at verse 35. I love it. Verse 35 says, But love your enemies, do what is good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Why would I do such a thing? Because I want to be a child of God. Now I realize, I realize that to be a child of God, first and foremost, comes through our salvation. It, it comes through the grace and the forgiveness of God. When we uh, come to him and ask him for forgiveness for our sins, by his grace he forgives us. We sang about it. That, that wonderful grace, that amazing grace. I realize that's what makes us a child of God. But then, do you want to act like a child of God? Or do you want to act like a child of the devil? 
<laughs> I believe all of us here today want to act like a child of God, be a child of God, children of the Most High. Are you ready to be children of the Most High God? Are you ready to be Jesus' people? Then let's grab him by the hand and let's walk that way with him and live out this Jesus rule in our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the day. We thank you for the way that you've blessed us today, the way that you have spoken to us through your word. And Thank you, Lord, that your word never leaves us where we are. It takes us along the path to make us more of what you want us to be. And today, Lord, as we have been uh, talking about this great sermon, this sermon on the mount, these teachings, these teachings that were hard to embrace, hard to accept, hard to apply, Lord, we thank you for giving us these teachings because these teachings are meant to cause us to be more like you. We want to be like you, Jesus. We want to follow in your footsteps. We want to be ambassadors for you. We want to go through this world and make a difference for you. When people see us, they'll see you. When people uh, see us and, and get to know us and experience us, they will be experiencing your love, your grace, your mercy, your compassion, your tenderness. Now, Lord, the other day, I was, as I was listening to some music, I thought about how thoughtful you are to me. Lord, you, you think of me. You, you, you think good things for me. You, you bless me in ways when I'm not even expecting it. Lord, help us to take the thoughtfulness of who you are and how you treat us. Have that same thoughtfulness towards others. That we will be thoughtful like you're thoughtful. And just go out and just begin to do good. Lord, to live out this wonderful Jesus rule in our lives. And make a difference for you in our world. That our sphere of influence will change dramatically. Because of how we have uh, embraced these teachings from you. And Lord, that... People will come to know you because of how they see us loving them, experience us loving them, caring for them, thinking of them, even if they have not been so kind to us because we want to be like you, Jesus. Thank you for setting this great example, giving us this great opportunity. It is in your name we pray.